you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Rizzuto. Faraz is not here for this episode. It's just me. And let me tell you, you are in store for a fantastic episode. This is just going to be the total Christmas recap. Everything that happened in week 16, everything that you might have missed, everything that you might have seen, that you might have questions about, we're, we're talking about it today. And when I say we, I mean me. We're going to go over everything. I'm going to try and hit everything that I can. Hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas, holiday, whatever you celebrate. Hopefully, it went very well. If it's still going on, good for you. It is not still going on for me. I am now on the podcast, and that's my job. My job is to take you through and into the championship weekend of fantasy football. Hopefully, along with your holiday, along with Christmas, you got a Christmas gift. Not coal, not a loss to put yourself out of the fantasy championship. Hopefully, you're into the fantasy championship. So congratulations if you made it to the fantasy football championship in your league. Hopefully, we were a big part of the reason why you made it there. If not, and you're still there, good for you. And if you didn't make it, there's always next year. There's plenty more to pay attention to. Don't just let go. You know, you can play for second, depending on what the prize pool looks like in your league. You could be playing still for some money, at least the way that I play it in my leagues. Usually we have third place. Third place gets their money back. So at least you have a consolation prize in, in my league. For, for the championship, I actually made it in two of my four leagues, which is pretty nice. Obviously, the one that we talk about a lot on the podcast, me and Faraz, when we're on here, that league I lost out of, obviously, against Faraz because my team took care of business in the regular season, but then not so much in the playoffs. But we're fine with that. We have three other leagues that we're playing in. The other one, I lost out early in the playoffs as well. But hopefully, you've made it to the championship. Hopefully, you're listening to this podcast, raring for a championship appearance and a championship win. And you're going to take that trophy home. But let's just start with some top of mind stuff, some injuries that we saw over the weekend. Isaiah Pacheco, this one was just yesterday. If you're listening to this on a Tuesday or yeah, if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, which is today, it, this would have been yesterday. But Isaiah Pacheco, he got a concussion in yesterday's game and that really shook up that Chiefs backfield. And I'll tell you why. And if you if were paying attention over the weekend, right before these games kicked off, Jarek McKinnon was put on IR, meaning he's done for the season. Now, usually, or what we saw earlier in the season when Isaiah Pacheco went down, it was between Jarek McKinnon and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, just kind of splitting that work that Isaiah Pacheco left. And they both had, like, you know, the, the same role. You know, obviously, Jarek McKinnon was a few more was running a few more routes, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was an early down hammer. So they, they had similar production on different types of utilization, but they were very similar in terms of what they did for you in terms of fantasy points in your lineup. But now with Jarek McKinnon on IR, Isaiah Pacheco goes down, these concussions, he's got a short turnaround this week because their game was on Monday in week 16, and now he's playing on Sunday in week 17. If he's not able to turn around from that concussion in six days, it's going to be the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire show. <laughs> it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the RB1 moving forward. I will say, if you watched the game yesterday, it was Christmas. You were probably busy you know, doing other things, being with your family. Us fantasy football guys, we just sit in front of the TV all day. But if you watched the game yesterday, Clyde Edwards earlier, he didn't he didn't look bad. And he didn't look bad either earlier in the season, but he actually took care of business. He had that one catch that went for a nice game at the end of the game. Really weird offensive game. Just just game overall for the Chiefs because the defense played well. They only allowed one touchdown offensively, but the two touchdowns that the offense gave to the Raiders defense made it obviously the Raiders won, but it really just screwed up that game and made it weird. 
The Chiefs offense has been in a funk, but I think Clyde Edwards Alaire with Isaiah Pacheco going out with this concussion, if he's out, he, he's going to be a solid start. And he should be at the top of the waiver wire list, which we're going to talk about that as well later in the show. Like I said, it's a bundle of everything that you're going to need to know. But uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire, spoiler alert, he is on the waiver wire list that we have for this week. And he's a very high priority if you can go get him because he's going to have that workload regardless. We know the Chiefs offense has had some trouble these past few weeks, but he's going to be worth a pickup, especially if you're thin at running back. With Jalen Waddle, we saw that the day before on Sunday against the Cowboys. Jalen Waddle, he went out. Mike McDaniel is calling his injury a potential high ankle sprain. Now, he did exit the game twice in this game. The first time it was for his eye. And there was a very memeable video of Jalen Waddle like squinting really hard at something that a guy was showing him. It was just like, I, I thought that was the immediate thought that came to my head because, you know, I put out all those memes on Instagram. But Jalen Waddle. It's looking like a potential high ankle sprain. If it is a high ankle sprain, as of right now, when I'm recording this podcast, we haven't heard anything new about it, but it's probably going to come out in the next 45 minutes because that's just how it works. But if it is a high ankle sprain, there's a good chance that his fantasy season is over. Now, he could come back for the playoffs, the actual NFL playoffs, but that's obviously not going to help anybody right now in the fantasy playoffs. The only week that really matters for, I'd say, about 80% of our listening audience is this week, week 17. And with it potentially being a high ankle sprain, it seems like it's going to be at least one game missed, which means you should be looking for replacements for Jalen Waddle at this point, barring some supreme turnaround where suddenly, okay, Jalen Waddle looks like he might get ready to go. Tyreek Hill, they, were, they, were, they took it easy bringing him back from his own injury. And I wouldn't doubt they do the same with Jalen Waddle, especially with the playoff push on the mind. So if you have Jalen Waddle, you know, you definitely want to make sure you have a backup plan because it's looking like he's probably going to miss week 17. And then up the highway, I believe. Yes, up the highway in Florida, Trevor Lawrence. He is now dealing with a shoulder injury. Now, how many times have you heard this before? And, and I was actually talking to Faraz about this a lot, too. How many times have you heard before? It's like, oh, Trevor Lawrence, he has this injury. It looks like it might hold him out this week. And then all week. You make your plans about having Trevor Lawrence out. You go pick up your backup quarterback off the waiver wire, your Tyrod Taylors and, and, and those other guys. And then suddenly at the last minute, he's ruled in, he's going to gut it out, and then he has a, a tough performance and he gets another injury. This is like the third time that's happened. He's dealt with knee injuries. He's dealt with an, the obviously the ankle injury a couple weeks ago, the concussion, and now he has a shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder. At this point, I think it would be a little dumb to go and say that Trevor Lawrence probably isn't going to play because we've seen him do this before. He just plays through injuries, and I can't believe it. It's obviously affecting the way he plays. He hasn't been on fire. He looked good a couple weeks ago when he went on that streak where he was running touchdowns in, but since then, he's just been banged up. This is an injury to his throwing shoulder. I, <laughs> I've, gone out on a, I've gone out on a limb here before and said that Trevor Lawrence probably won't play, but you should have a backup plan ready. Let's just put it that way. You should have a backup plan ready. This is an injury to his throwing shoulder. You don't want to go into a matchup assuming he's going to gut it out like he's done these past three times. And then it would be like, oh, okay, well, he's not going to be able to play. And then you, you just get boned. Like, you don't want to do that. So just make sure you have a backup plan just in case Trevor Lawrence is out. There's a pretty good chance he could be. They're saying it's not major. We're still waiting. It's obviously early in the week. But definitely pay attention to that moving forward because it's, the fact that it's to his throwing shoulder has me definitely a little bit more concerned than it would be if it was just, say, his off-shoulder. Um, let's just move on. I think we have to address Amari Cooper, right? Now, Brees Hall also had a fantastic game, and I know there are definitely people who 
went up against Amari Cooper and Brees Hall in a few leagues. You know what I'm saying? There are at least a few people who had that and definitely lost because of those performances. But we need to touch on Amari Cooper here real quick. And it's not so much I, I guess I guess it's not so much Amari Cooper. He had his 51 point game. We've seen him have these blow up games before. 51 PPR points. Let's just go over his stat line. 11 catches on 15 targets, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Fantastic performance. But the biggest takeaway for me, and it might have felt this way for a lot of you too, is if you're watching the game, it's like not so much like, oh, wow, Amari Cooper is doing his thing. You know, this is Amari Cooper doing this. It's it's Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco was the overall quarterback one. Overall QB one in fantasy points scored this weekend. He has been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks since he stepped in in week 13. He's made Amari Cooper the overall wide receiver three in total points scored since he's come in. And obviously, it's going to be inflated a little bit by a 51-point performance. But it has to be noted here that Joe Flacco is playing better than any quarterback the Browns have had this season. And he is light years ahead of the guy they would probably call their best in Deshaun Watson, the guy they're paying 200 some million dollars for. He's playing way better than he ever did this season. And he's having he has the Browns looking like an actual contender to go to the Super Bowl. I don't want to just jump on this train because it's Joe Flacco. You know, it could happen anytime. And when you look at the Browns now, it's like, how is Amari Cooper going to follow up this performance with 51 points? He's going in on a short week against the Jets, a very, very good back-end defense. They're going to defend the pass very well. You definitely want to temper expectations a little bit with Amari Cooper and Joe Flacco the same way because they did a very good job holding Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett in check. Obviously, Sam Howell is not uh, Joe Flacco, and Sam Howell has been struggling as of late, but they have good weapons in in, in Washington. It, it's a broken team in Washington, but they have good weapons. I think you look at this, you have to look at Amari Cooper, obviously, after a 51-point game. You have to upgrade him a little bit because the usage has absolutely been there. He's had double-digit targets in three of his last four games, I believe. So you can't just take him off the radar because he's playing the Jets. But you definitely want to temper expectations a little bit. Like, you're still riding the high right now if you had Amari Cooper in your lineup, and he probably carried you into your uh, fantasy championship. If you're riding that high, just do your best to dial it back by tomorrow, this time tomorrow, like Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to have to assess these matchups with a clear and objective mind when you're going into your championship weekend. You can enjoy the win now, but definitely by tomorrow, you want to be looking at this and think, okay, I'm not saying you bench Amari Cooper, but you shouldn't be expecting this every single week, especially against uh, the Jets, With even with the way Joe Flacco has been playing, which is just sensational. Joe Flacco, he's actually a fan. You can start him as a top 10 quarterback. Like he, he, you can put him if you're in a two QB league. You can put him in your first QB spot. And I don't know. For me, it's just something about that. You put your best quarterback at the top QB spot. And if you're in super flex or two QB, you put your second best quarterback at the bottom spot on your roster. You know, Joe Flacco is one of those top spot guys. That's what I'm going to call him. He is. He has officially. <laughs> he's officially established himself as a top spot guy on the QB roster. You know, the the slot on your starting lineup on whatever app you play on. So. That is the takeaway there. Brees Hall as well. He had a career high in target share, career high in targets, career high in receptions against the commanders of all teams, of course. The, the commanders are just a fantastic matchup for anybody. If you if you have players that are going against the commanders, just, just start them because the commanders at this point, they just allow fantasy points to everybody. Coming into this game, it wasn't so much the running backs as it was wide receivers. Garrett Wilson had a solid day. He, he had a very Garrett Wilson day, you know, 2023 Garrett Wilson day, I should say where he just catches a bunch of passes, goes for, you know, medium-ish yardage. You know, it, it was middle of the pack day for him, but he definitely got it done for you if you put him in your lineup. It wasn't anything like the days where he had one or two targets. 
with Tim Boyle, those were some dark days. But with Brees Hall, he got that receiving work, and he's been getting it. It's just we have been tethering that receiving work to Zach Wilson, the quarterback that didn't play this past weekend. It was Trevor Simeon who suddenly decided, oh, wait, I have this fantastic weapon out of the backfield. Let me just throw to him. He threw it to him 16 times. That's all you can ask for for Brees Hall. Now, obviously, it was a much quieter day in non-PPR standard formats, even half PPR than it was in PPR formats because 12 catches, that's the equivalent of two more touchdowns. But when you have two touchdowns on your own on the ground, he had 20 for 95 and a touchdown that he went for on the ground. Uh, not a touchdown, two touchdowns, excuse me, 20 for 95 and two touchdowns. When you have that supplemented by the receiving work that he got, like that type of utilization is exactly what you're going to be looking for week in and week out. And I think he can continue to get that the way that this offense is built. If you have a game changer at quarterback, like a Lamar Jackson or somebody or an Aaron Rodgers, you know, this might not be the case. But when you have to just lean on your weapons, like a Trevor, when a Trevor, Trevor Simeon has to lean on his weapons, this is the type of game that can result. So definitely keep starting Brees Hall. I know it was tough after his game. He, he, he turned around off his worst game and got into his best game. Like it's, That's just how it goes sometimes. Hopefully you didn't bench him. But if you had him in your lineup, you're feeling really good. You have to just move forward and understand that this upside is there every single week. And the matchup obviously was fantastic, like I mentioned, against the Commanders. But this upside is there every single week, and you can't leave him out of your lineup at this point. So don't let anyone tell you to take him out of your lineup unless he's injured or some other reason, like you have better players to put in your lineup, which unless you have Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams, I don't know if there's really an argument to keep him out of your lineup. I could be missing one, but that's just off the top of my head. So those are some huge performances. Let's get into some takeaways. There was another huge performance. It was on Saturday. So we had games, if you remember, you probably remember, you were probably enjoying the games all across the weekend. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, just all kinds of games. Three on Saturday, the full slate on Sunday, and then three on Christmas, which was yesterday, Monday. But on Saturday, there was a game between the Steelers and the Bengals, and there were two wide receivers who got it done with big plays. And we're going to start with George Pickens. And let's just put it this way. Christmas came early for George Pickens managers. Rudolph, of all people, that is Mason Rudolph, he delivered to George Pickens on Christmas weekend. You know, he was able to hit George Pickens four for six, 195 yards, two touchdowns. George Pickens making those highlight reel catches that we hadn't seen him make. After the whole week of discussion about is George Pickens trying? Does he care? Does any of that happen? Like he turns around and has this type of performance. The first thing that jumped out to me was this is not sustainable at all. <laughs> and and that, that might just be a fantasy perspective because it's easy to get caught up and look like the highlight real catches, deep touchdowns, that kind of thing. Four for 195 and two touchdowns is like fantastic for football. You know, obviously, if, if you're just a football fan, that's exactly what you like to see. It's like dominance. That is the definition of dominance. But nothing about Pickens utilization is game changed from what we had been seeing before to suggest that this type of production is still sustainable. And you also look at it, it's like, okay, sometimes you get this kind of game with a QB switch. Mason Rudolph comes in. He's got a chip on his shoulder for sure because he's been on the bench this whole season. He hasn't had his shot. He suddenly gets a shot. Of course, he's going to throw to his best playmaker who's going to be the best, best downfield playmaker, I should say, in, in George Pickens. And this is the type of game you get. That's fantastic. But I'm still not trusting George Pickens in lineups, especially not the championship You know, this weekend on six targets a game. That's what he's been getting. And it's been independent of quarterback. We've seen Mitch Trubisky. We've seen Kenny Pickett. 
And I'd say Mason Rudolph, <laughs> he has the most intrigue of any of those three guys. But we still have to remember Mason Rudolph is a guy that they've been they've waited this long to put on the field. There's a reason they've waited this long to put him on the field. It's because he was the last resort. And I don't want to just turn and say that Mason Rudolph can't deliver next week. But based on the body of work that we've seen from him, based on what we've seen from George Pickens, George Pickens is not a guy that's going to be giving you a solid floor every single week. The target shares that he's had, just not it's not going to be enough to consistently get you where you need to be. He just had this blow up game. It's good, you know, very good that he was able to do that. But I don't want to trust that moving into the next week with George Pickens. So for me, I'm not saying you bench him, but definitely temper your expectations with him. There's going to be a lot more options out there for you as well. I think you're probably going to be looking at your lineup when you're making those decisions. It's going to be difficult for me to justify putting George Pickens in there when he's looking at, at max, like six targets a game. That's just not how I roll. So if you're in a pinch, you can put him in your lineup. If not, I think I would look for other options. And as I'm talking right here, we just got a news update from Sleeper and Faraz just texted me. He's, he must know that I'm on the podcast. And he said that TJ Hawkinson, tight end, and I was just about to get into that after I finished talking about this Steelers, um, Steelers-Bengals game. TJ Hawkinson has a torn ACL, torn MCL. It is ending. It's obviously going to end his season, but this could have huge ramifications for TJ Hawkinson's long-term draft stock going into next season. So this is huge. Obviously, we knew that he was injured. I think we pretty much knew that he wasn't going to be playing the rest of the season, or at least any fancy relevant football the rest of the season with one week to go. And the, he had that head, the helmet went into his knee weird on, on that one play in the game. He went out with the injury and the original test, they said they didn't look good. Now it's confirmed he has a torn ACL. That's going to end his season. And it's going to definitely cast doubt on his availability in 2024. It's definitely going to affect where he's being drafted, you know, going into 2024. Um, I don't want to say, I, I still think TJ Hawkinson, I don't think this is an injury where it's going to, shut him down for his career he's going to make him you know a worse player that kind of thing but as we've seen sometimes it's difficult coming back from acl injuries we've seen a bunch of players good players struggle to come back from them in their first game first season back and at this point with an injury happening in let's see right what is it it's december pretty much january at this point with the timetable that usually takes for him to come back he's going to be out for at least the first half of the season I would imagine, you know, unless he makes some miraculous Aaron Rodgers type recovery, which <laughs> I could talk forever about that, but I'm not going to unless he makes some sort of miraculous recovery. He's going to be missing a lot of games, you know, to start next season. So that's going to shift the landscape at the top of the tight end, you know, picture. When you talk about where players are being drafted, we could be seeing guys like Sam Laporta. We could be seeing Trey McBride's drafted really high over TJ Hawkinson. That's just a tough break. You know, obviously, we're wishing for a speedy, full recovery from the ACL tear, but it's just a tough break for TJ Hawkinson, who is actually this year's tight end one overall in fantasy points scored. And we know that Travis Kelsey's been having a tough time getting things going, but he's been TJ Hawkinson, the tight end one this season. He's been doing it with all different quarterbacks under center. He's, he did it with Kirk Cousins, he did it with Josh Dobbs. He's been doing it with Nick Mullins. He's been doing his thing. So hopefully, he comes back 100%. I'm sure he'll get there. Um, but that is big news, you know, maybe not so much for the immediate, but definitely as we get in the off season and we start looking at next season, it's, it's definitely gonna be something you have to keep track of because it's a big weapon that's going to be out of Minnesota. Getting back to that Bengals Steelers game, 
Going to the other side of the ball, not from George Pickens, we're, we're going to go to T. Higgins now. It was another week, and it was another well-distributed another well-distributed target share from Jake Browning and the Bengals. Now, T. Higgins, he did save your day with that long touchdown, but if he didn't have that long touchdown, we're talking about another mediocre production from T. Higgins without Jamar Chase. And we've seen this happen before. We saw it happen, I think it was last year, or it might have been the year before, but I know in games where Jamar Chase is out, T. Higgins just hasn't stepped up to the plate the way that you expect him to, especially when you see him making those plays like he did not this pe- not this past weekend, Christmas weekend, but the weekend before that, where he's like extending the ball over the goal line, you know, making these contorting plays, trying to get into the end zone. He did it. He scored two touchdowns. It's like that's not what you would expect. You wouldn't expect that type of caliber player to disappear the way that they do, that he has done sometimes. Obviously, like I said, he salvaged his day with that touchdown, 25 PPR points with that 80-yard touchdown. But if you take that 80-yard touchdown away, that's 60% of his points right there, gone, out the window. And that was just a complete lightning strike play, complete garbage time play. It salvaged his day, but you don't really want to hang your hat on that moving forward because, like I mentioned, Jake Browning just distributes the ball. He had five different players, again, who had over a 10% target share in the afternoon. That included Joe Mixon. Andre Yoshivash, the I think he's a rookie. Yeah, the rookie. He actually tied T. Higgins for target share. He earned just a 20% target share. T. Higgins did. He's not dominating this target share. He's not separating himself in a target earning department. Sans Jamar Chase. It just makes him hard to trust going into a date with LeJarius Sneed next week, who's done very well against wide receivers and shutting them down and keeping them in check. So if you have T. Higgins, Obviously, again, another one of those situations where you're still starting him because the volume is going to be there. The offense isn't that bad. But when you're looking at you know, the way that he's producing, it's not what you would expect with Jamar Chase being out of the lineup. So you definitely have to temper expectations. I'm not even sure he's a solid wide receiver, too. I think that he might be a low wide receiver, too, at best, in terms of what we've seen and what we can expect to see in a tough matchup against the Chiefs. Definitely something to keep an eye on. But with T. Higgins, you definitely have to temper expectations. Temper your expectations. Let's go move through a couple other takeaways. Bijan, <laughs> if you had Bijan Robinson last week, boy, like hopefully you didn't end up leaving him out of your lineup. We put it out pretty much all week on our Instagram and we talked about it on the podcast too. We know you got burnt by Bijan Robinson. If you somehow managed to survive that Bijan Robinson game and make it to the next round of playoffs, hopefully you were able to cash in with this performance that he had in the playoffs. Obviously, not world breaking. But he finally got that workload back somewhat that we wanted to see him get. And I talked about it on the podcast last week and even the week before. The difference for Bijan Robinson this season has been the role in the receiving game, the passing game. Bijan hit 89% route participation. That was a career high this past weekend. He had a 33% target share, which was his highest since week one against the Colts. Now, Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, you know, they still split carries down the middle at 40% apiece. And for some reason, Cordero Patterson is still getting 20% of the rushing share, which when you have Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, it makes it easier to say that Cordero Patterson is still a solid running back. But when you have Bijan Robinson, like it should be 60 20, you know, if it's going to be anything, if you're only giving 80% of the carries to Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, it should be 60 20 at least in, in favor of Bijan. But this is Arthur Smith we're talking about. The good news is. B. John Robinson was able to take advantage of the workload that he got in a game that they were in a positive game script in for most of the game. They were playing from ahead. That helped, obviously, Bijan, And it also helped that Taylor Heineke was able to check it down. 
you know, over and over and over to be John Robinson and get the ball to him through the air. That saved his day. Much bigger PPR day than standard day for B. John Robinson. But that they're now they're taking on Chicago in week 17. And they've been better lately on defense. You know, they've obviously obviously been playing better, but they're allowing the most receiving yards and the second most receptions per game to running backs this whole season. And we know, like I mentioned, that Bijan has been getting it done through the air, and that has been the X factor for him in terms of him being a viable fantasy RB1. And if he gets that receiving work, he, he he's able to produce for you, and he doesn't give you duds like we had two weeks ago. So hopefully the Falcons recognize this, and they realize they could take advantage of this defense that's allowing a lot of their points to running backs through the air. That's where Bijan gets it done. Hopefully there's congruence there, and they're able to get him the, the workload in the receiving game where he can take advantage of that and give you another strong performance to try and atone in the fantasy championship for that first round performance that was just abysmal. Speaking of abysmal performances, Gabe Davis didn't have one this week. And congratulations. If you had Gabe Davis in your lineup this week, you won the coin flip that has been starting him in 2023. But over his past five games, <laughs> there's not that. The funniest thing with this is there's really no rhyme or reason. This is just how it goes. But over his past five games, Gabe Davis has either scored 23 fantasy points or zero fantasy points. No in between. Five games. That type of volatility is way too much to trust in your fantasy lineups in the championship. That is just me. And that is my assessment. You are willing to take that risk. You, you are able to take that risk if you're willing to. But I am not going to take the risk of a complete dud. Gabe Davis laying an egg in my championship lineup. I'm not going to do that. There have to be better options out there. But when you look at Gabe Davis's five game, the past five games in his game log, these are the numbers that you see. He played against the Chargers. And this is the funny, other funny thing. He, plays, he, he, he has played games against the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Jets. Three of those games have been against very tough defenses against the pass. That would be Dallas, Kansas City, and New York, the Jets. He has scored zero fantasy points in those three games. He has earned just three targets. He had zero targets overall against the Jets. In the other two games, Philly, notorious for allowing points to wide receivers, and the Chargers, top five in allowing points to wide receivers, he has had 23 points. He has a touchdown in both of those games, over 100 yards receiving in both of those games, and in fact, he also had a 12-target game against Philly. This is what we're talking about. Gabe Davis, since that divisional round game back in 2021 when he was put on the map, he has not been able to beat the boom-bust allegations. And we understand this. But the funniest thing, the part that's most comical to me, is the fact that he has not only not beaten those allegations, but he's also he, he's leaning into them at this point. He is the definition of boom-bust and is the most egregious boom-bust player that you could possibly think of where he puts up zero or 23 and there's no in between. It's happened for five weeks in a row. Is there a rhyme or reason for this? Like I mentioned, no, probably not. This is just the nature of the Gabe Davis game. If you play the game, you have to understand that by putting him in your lineup, you were accepting the risk that he could put up zero points, but it's just one of the funniest things to me in terms of fantasy. And it's just this continuing trend that we're seeing with Gabe Davis. I'm not trusting him. And the other thing, is he's been doing this. He's had this volatility with Stefan Diggs having arguably the coldest streak of his career. He's on arguably the coldest streak of his, career, of his career over these past six weeks. He's done next to nothing in terms of fantasy. People are having questions. They're like, am I starting 
Stefan Diggs or am I starting Odell Beckham Jr.? Like those are some legit questions that people are asking. So I think you need to look at it. It, it just makes it all the more hilarious. But I'm not going to trust Gabe Davis in my lineup. They're playing against the Patriots in week 17. They do a decent job on defense. Obviously, they're in terms of if you look at the fantasy numbers, they're actually a slightly favorable matchup for wide receivers, but they do a good job on defense overall. This is a Patriots team that has beat the Bills already this season. I don't want to trust Gabe Davis. It just has weird written all over it, this matchup. So I'm not going to trust it, and I don't recommend you do it either. But again, to each their own, you're willing to take on that risk. Assume that risk if you want to. Let's talk about DeAndre Swift, and we're kind of bouncing all over the place. But DeAndre Swift, you need to lock him in your lineup moving forward. And by moving forward, I mean next week. Because for the second straight week, Swift, he's had a stranglehold on the art. I just said Swifties. Swift has had a stranglehold on the RB carries in Philly's offense, and he's out-touched Kenneth Gainwell on the ground 38-12 to 12 since week 15. That would be the last two weeks. He's had two games. He's had 20 carries and 18 carries in both of those games. Kenneth Gainwell has just had just six. Granted, those two games where he had these workloads, they've come in good matchups against Seattle and New York, but now Swift gets the Cardinals defense in week 17. They're allowing the most rush attempts and the second most rushing yards to running backs this season. Could you talk about a match made in heaven or what for the fantasy playoffs? And now you have DeAndre Swift on a hot streak. And sure, the production hasn't been there. 100%. Sure. Two weeks ago, he only had nine fantasy points. But it's because it was pretty much empty calories. He found the end zone yesterday against the Giants. That was good. You know, he's the Eagles seem to be figuring things out a little bit more on offense. Obviously, they still have issues. But uh, the Giants were a good game for them to kind of start getting things back together going into this game against the Cardinals. Also not a tough matchup. If they keep giving DeAndre Swift the ball like they've been giving it to him these past two weeks, he's going to have a perfectly fine day. So I, I am locking him in my lineup. He's going to be a solid RB2 with plenty of upside in this matchup. I don't know if I want to call him an RB1 just yet because I don't know how many of those touches are going to go around. We know that Jalen Hurts has been vulturing touchdowns at the goal line this whole season. But DeAndre Swift, lock him in your lineup. Don't let him on your bench in a fantastic matchup, especially the way he's been playing. You can't leave him out. Speaking of being left out, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, he started for the Titans this weekend, and uh, he's not interested in throwing to DeAndre Hopkins, if you didn't know. After earning a 29% target share in eight games with rookie QB Will Levis under center, DeAndre Hopkins, he was rele relegated to just 17% target share in Ryan Tannehill's return to action this past weekend. His four targets in that game, the fewest that he's had in a game all season, Tennessee is now slated to take on Houston for the second time in three weeks in week 17. He's only going to be a solid start if Will Levis is able to come back from that ankle injury that he had two weeks ago. Because we just watched Ryan Tannehill tank DeAndre Hopkins' fancy value. And this isn't because the production wasn't there. Because as you know, if, you, if you've had DeAndre Hopkins in your lineup and Will Levis was at quarterback, you know the production hasn't always matched the, util the utilization. But we could fall back on the utilization with DeAndre Hopkins, with Ryan, without Ryan Tannehill under center, with Will Levis under center, because he was getting a ridiculous target share. Eight straight games, eight weeks, eight of all eight of the games, I should say, with Will Levis where he started, he earned a 29% target share. He goes down to 17% with Ryan Tannehill coming back. Catches, I think it was one pass. <laughs> it was just terrible. He has a horrific game, and I'm not surprised. I wouldn't say I'm surprised because Ryan Tannehill just hasn't been that guy since 20, I think it was 2020, when they were fighting with the Ravens, and they, they, that was a rivalry. I remember that. But since then, Tannehill has been on the decline. 
there's a reason he's been playing. He's been on the bench behind Will Levis. If you have DeAndre Hopkins, you want to hope that Will Levis is able to come back this week. Because if he's not, I don't want to say you leave De- DeAndre Hopkins out, but DeAndre Hopkins it, it's just not looking good. They struggled against the Texans two weeks ago with Will Levis under center. Let's just put it that way. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins did not have a good game with Will Levis under center. He had the targets, like I mentioned, but they shut DeAndre Hopkins down for the most part. The Texans did the last times that these the last time that these two teams played. So if Ryan Tannehill comes in, he's going into that game. I doubt it's going to be a much better showing, you know, just based on what we've seen uh, already this season. So I'm, I'm very on the border with D hop. I might not put him in my lineup. If it's Ryan Tannehill this next week, we'll see what happens. Um, But definitely keep an eye on that. The most important takeaway here is that we need to keep an eye on Will Levis because that's going to determine whether D hop is playable and staying in the AFC South. Travis Etienne, he went one-dimensional. And I call it Tony Pollard syndrome. This is kind of what we're seeing with Travis Etienne. If you look at the utilizations, they're very, very similar. The production hasn't been there. It's pretty much when you have Tony Pollard syndrome, it's you have the workload, but it's very game-dependent. We saw this happen where it's like, okay, you're going to get the workload if it's a competitive or a neutral, if it's a neutral script or a positive script. But as soon as it goes to a negative game script, you're kind of, scripted out of the game (laughs) it's not good we saw this happen with tony pollard just this past weekend where he was shut down for some reason and then also now you look at travis Etienne, the game script is completely negative and suddenly he doesn't get any of the route participation that he had been getting in the weeks before coming into the game against the buccaneers this past weekend he had caught four passes at least four passes in each of the past four games he didn't. He only caught three passes in this one, but his route participation in a negative game script went all the way down to 30, 38%, just cratered. He had his lowest attempts, rush attempts in this game, six. Fewest rush yards in this, in this game, 12. They all just cratered to their lowest marks this season against the Buccaneers in a completely negative game script. And that makes no sense because you would figure with ETN getting as much of a receiving workload as he's been getting this season that if you go in a negative game script, he's going to be running a lot of routes. He's going to be getting a bunch of dump off passes, especially with CJ Beathard coming in halfway through the game in in relief of Trevor Lawrence, who went down with that shoulder injury, like we talked about earlier. When you you see all those things come together, you're like, oh, this is a recipe for like at least 15 fantasy points because ETN's gonna be getting six or seven catches. He'll probably have 80 yards. That wasn't the case at all. He had three catches. I think it was 13 yards. Just this, it was a terrible day. For Travis Etienne, his route participation went all the way down. Whether or not that's because of DeArnis Johnson getting a small bump, you know, in the recent weeks, it's beyond me. But you look at what this Jaguars offense has been doing these past few weeks since the bye. Travis Etienne hasn't been the same running back. He hasn't been productive. He's averaging just about twelve points a game. I think it's a little bit under twelve points a game PPR points. That is, and he's just the RB twenty three in that span, completely falling off the map. He does get the Panthers next week. So that's good for Travis Etienne. That's a good get right spot for him because if he's not able to get right then, obviously, when is he going to do it? You're going to be putting him in your lineup. He's going to be an RB2, I think a low RB2. Hopefully, the upside is there if he can get back to that workload, but we haven't seen it. You know, these past few weeks since the Jaguars have come off their bye, it hasn't been anything close to what we saw earlier in the season before the bye. He's been a shell of himself compared to what he was then. So it's not looking good, obviously, for Travis Etienne, 
based on what we've seen these past few weeks, utilization hasn't been there. But I am cautiously optimistic, given the matchup, that he's going to be able to come back and have at least a solid game for his fantasy managers in the championship round. If you have him, play him. That That's the only answer here. So I, I don't want to cause anybody to panic and decide that they're going to take him out of their lineup. But just be ready for it because the utilization hasn't been the same. You don't want to get too caught up in that. And just start him, temporary expectations. He has the potential to get back to doing those early season things in this matchup for you. It would be almost poetic for him to spend the whole second half of the season taking a dump and then suddenly turn things around and have a huge game for you in the championship round. Hopefully that's the case. I think he's in a good spot to do that. Before we you know, kind of get going, like I mentioned, this is going to be the everything episode. Let's talk about last night's game. <laughs> I, I know we didn't really address a whole lot of takeaways or a lot of takeaways here, but you look at the 49ers and the Ravens game. If you watch the 49ers and Ravens game, it was a fantastic game for about the first half. Then things kind of ran away in the second half. But you look at what this offense, these offenses did. Lamar Jackson came through. He had a big game. Zay Flowers came through. He had a big game. He had his highest number of targets. I think it was his highest target share of his career this season. You know, last night against the 49ers, it's a pretty good defense, by the way. And he just absolutely torched everybody else uh, on the Ravens offense in terms of target share. We, we, know, we knew that Isaiah Likely was going to have some opportunity coming in. He was one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets over the past few weeks. Doesn't matter. Him and Nelson Aguilar tied for the most targets. And Rashad Bateman, I should say. Uh, second most targets in this offense. Each of them had four. But Zay Flowers had 13 targets. Nine catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. He now has scored a touchdown in three of his past four games. And he's running routes on very high route participation. He's doing exactly what he needs to do over these past few weeks. Gus Edwards got his goal line touchdown. Like, all is right in the world. Lamar Jackson looks like an MVP candidate. It was all right on the Ravens side. If you started those players outside of Odo Beckham Jr., who might have been on the fantasy radar, he only had two of three catch, two of three receptions for 13 yards, kind of let you down there. But if you start everybody else, you're not feeling that bad about the Ravens. The surprise of the night was Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown. No, I'm kidding. That's not a surprise at all. That's just how it happens. But the surprise of the night was Brock Purdy throwing four interceptions, having just six fantasy points, 255 yards, no touchdowns at all to speak of. A total letdown after Brock Purdy had gone five of his past six games over 22 fantasy points. If you were sitting there like, oh. And I pity the people that probably went through this. I know there's somebody out there that was relying on Brock Purdy to carry them into the playoffs. They're like, okay, in the the championship round. They're probably sitting there thinking, okay, I only need Brock Purdy to get me eight points or some number like that. You know, when your quarterback is averaging 20-some points a game over the past six, you kind of come to expect like, okay, in a big game, the 49ers offense has looked unstoppable. They're going to come through for me in the fantasy playoffs, you know, going to get me to the championship. It was just the surprise of the night to see Brock Purdy put up six fantasy points. It wasn't good. And if you watched it, if you watch the game, right at the beginning of the game, Brock Purdy was on fire. Immediate 50-yard connection to George Kittle. And then again to George Kittle, another 17 yards. George Kittle started a night. He had a good night too. Um, it could have been much better if this game was much more competitive if they were scoring touchdowns, the 49ers were, but they weren't. Brock Purdy... You know, he goes out, he starts the game hot, and he throws that first interception, and it just like ruined the rest of the night for him. I don't know what happened because then he threw three more after that 
and he, he finished with six fantasy points. So that was the surprise of the game. He was eventually pulled. They said it was for an injury. They called it a stinger. And then he didn't come back in despite being cleared. I think that was just, and we've seen this with quarterbacks before where quarterback goes down. They're like, oh, okay, I got, I better get checked out with an injury, that kind of thing. And they come out and they're like, all right, you're not going back in. There's no reason to. And there was no reason to put Brock Purdy in last night's game. But they put Brock Pur- they put Sam Darnold out there. He ended up scoring a touchdown and outscoring Brock Purdy on the night. But that was probably a really bad beat if you had Brock Purdy and you needed him to put in put up some points. I'm not taking a whole lot out of this game for the 49ers because we've seen what they do on offense. <laughs> this is the first truly rough game that they had. So I'm giving them a mulligan here where they were fully healthy, I should say. The first rough game where they have had that they've had where they've been fully healthy. I'm giving them a mulligan here, and I'm not going to try and assess anything that we saw last night because the target shares, you can't even look at them just the way that it was because they're throwing the ball at such a high rate, coming back, trying to come back from way down. Of course, they're not running the ball, but Christian McCaffrey still, he was able to get it done. Six to 10 receptions, though, that, that's going to get it done for you too for Christian McCaffrey on top of 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. He is truly matchup proof. He is truly, <laughs> if you ask me, the MVP of the league right now. Not just fantasy football, but the MVP. Well, we might talk about that on another episode. But that was it was it was a good game, I think, through halfway. And then things just kind of fell apart when the turnovers came and then it was short fields for Lamar and they scored, cashed in. But it was a good game. So that was pretty cool. Let's get into some waivers quick. I and mean, we put out a post earlier today. Now, if you didn't catch that, we'll give you a little bit more context here with these picks. But before we get going, Zamir White versus the Colts. He's obviously one of the pickups that you should have. We've seen it now for two weeks where Zamir White is able to get it done for you on the ground with Josh Jacobs out. Josh Jacobs was supposed to play, according to head coach Antonio Pierce, coming into week 16. He ended up being ruled out just an hour and a half before the game. So Cole on your stocking if you had James, um, Josh Jacobs on your fantasy team. White has proven that he's, he can handle a big workload. You know, he's effective over the last two weeks with Josh Jacobs' sideline. If Jacobs doesn't go again, you know, White has a really good matchup on deck against the Colts. You're obviously starting him. If he's still sitting on your waiver wire, what is what what fantasy league are you in? I'd like to sign up. Like, go and get Zamir White if he's still on your waiver wire. Same goes with Clyde Edwards later. We talked about him a little bit. Jerick McKinnon's on IR. Isaiah Pacheco's dealing with a concussion. I'm going to assume that he doesn't turn around in six days from that. Could obviously be the case. But I'm just going to go with what the odds tell me here and say that it's probably not going to happen. Could be the CEH show in Week 17. He has a good matchup against Cincinnati. Demarcus Robinson, guys, uh, against the Giants. He, he's uh, If he's on your waivers, obviously go get him. But for some reason, he's a big part of this offense. And I was about to put something out. So what I do uh, for the fancy page, for, for the Instagram page, the main Instagram page, I put out the memes. And I was about to put together an edit and I don't know if any of you caught it on the reel where Faraz said, uh, Demarcus Robinson is getting 10 targets a game. I, I don't expect, I'm just going to assume that's not going to continue. And obviously he didn't get 10 targets in the last game, but he got eight targets, nine targets. Like he's been a really relevant part of this target distribution these past few weeks. Tutu Atwell couldn't perform with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua on the field, but Demarcus Robinson has been. So like I, I was going to like make some video or comment about that on the main page about Robinson still being part of the offense two weeks after Farah said that he might not be. But he now has four straight top 24 wide receiver performances. He's got a great matchup on deck against the Giants. He's, he's still a boom bust at this point. Because as we've seen, 
Wide receivers in this Rams offense can be phased out at any time. Cooper Cup managers know this very well, unfortunately. And it was just a tough break for his managers this past weekend. But Demarcus Robinson, definitely have a look at him if he's on your waiver wire, especially if you're thin at wide receiver. Chiga Conquo, if if DeAndre, if DeAndre Hopkins wasn't being targeted by Ryan Tannehill, it was Chiga Conquo who benefited from it. He's playing against Houston. Tannehill might play, like I said. We have to see what happens with Will Levis. If Will Levis plays, it's going to shift, obviously, and be a DeAndre Hopkins game. But if Will Levis doesn't play as Tannehill again, I think we could look at Chica Conquo as usable again this week as more than just a streamer, you know, plug-and-play kind of guy. With the other injuries that they have at tight end in Tennessee, you know, Chig got some more work. He got some extra playing time. Tannehill peppered him with 25% target share on Sunday. You know, that led to an overall tight end three performance, his best performance of the season by far. He has a good matchup against Houston this week, so definitely look at him. KJ Osborne, we kind of alluded to earlier. With TJ Hawkinson now out, we know, and Jordan Addison, he's day-to-day considered to be day-to-day. If he doesn't go, KJ Osborne, he, he took advantage right away with some big plays as soon as he stepped in. You know, I wouldn't expect Addison to play this week. That's my anticipation. The Packers, they've fallen apart defending wide receivers lately, even before DJ Chark went off against them this past weekend, which is also a hilarious story in itself. The Panthers finding their feet against the Packers. But the Packers give up the fifth most fantasy points to the position over the past four weeks, coming into week 16. Demario Douglas, he's been a mainstay on this list (laughs) this whole year. But Demario Douglas, if he's there, he picked up right off. He picked up right where he left off before his concussion for you. He's going to give you a solid high floor PPR flex play against the Bills defense. That's allowing the fourth most fantasy points to slot wide receivers coming into week 16. There's no question that he should be on a roster at this point if he isn't already. Obviously not shooting the moon with him, but the floor is there where if you need to replace somebody in your lineup, if you had to, I might even go as far, okay, I'm going to make a little bold prediction here and it may or may not hold up. And so take this for what you will. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Demario Douglas is going to be a better play this week against Buffalo than Gabe Davis is against New, New England. Because I, I'm just going to make this a shit on Gabe Davis episode because he's just such a, a coin flip of a fantasy player. Demario Douglas, I'd rather have Demario Douglas in my lineup over Gabe Davis this week because we know what we're getting with Demario Douglas. So that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> Derek Carr, believe it or not, is now one of the guys that we're looking at in the waiver. Of course, every time he touches a lineup, he doesn't come through. But hey, the matchup is good. Even though Trevor Lawrence didn't have a very good day against the Buccaneers on Sunday, the Saints have a much healthier wide receiver room outside of you know Michael Thomas being out. But they'll have Rashid Shahid. They'll have Chris Olave. They have their guys, Jawan Johnson and Jimmy Graham, of all people, in the red zone. He has weapons to throw to. So he's had two good fantasy performances, Derek Carr, over these past few weeks. Hopefully he can make it a third in a row. And I think against the Buccaneers, he's got a chance to do it. I'm a big Derek Carr hater. Everybody knows that. Anybody who listens to the podcast, I was calling him sidecar all offseason. But he's looked a little bit better these past two games. So you can trust him, get him off the waiver wire. If you need to start him over somebody like uh, Ryan Tannehill, I would definitely look into that. Noah Brown against the Titans. This one is... Yeah, you, you want to yeah you want to pick him up. You know, obviously Noah Brown got it done against the Titans. You know, very recently that was without C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be back this week, so that's only going to boost you know his value. I think a little bit, but you have to look at Nico Collins as the guy to start. He might end up hogging the targets. You know, the way that this target share will fall with C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud also has Dalton Schultz, who had a big game or a bigger game this past weekend. Even though it wasn't C.J. Stroud at quarterback, he got those targets. So Noah Brown, he's still going to be second or third in this receiving pecking order. But 
the Titans defense is giving up the fifth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. That's definitely makes him worth a pickup this week, especially with the games that he's had this season when it was just him. He's come through pretty much every time, you know, with 18, 20 some fantasy points in all of those games. And then also Greg Dortch versus Philly. It's just, it's very possible that Marquise Brown misses week 17 with his heel injury. I think they totally brought him back way earlier than they should have. They rushed him back and he ended up re-aggravating it. There's a good chance that he misses week 17. That would mean Dorch gets more playing time. And if Dorch gets more playing time, historically, he's done pretty well. When he gets more than 75% of the snaps, he's averaging 12.6 PPR fantasy points in those games where he gets 75% of snaps. Obviously, a deeper flex play, but he has a really good matchup. And if he's going to be playing you know we've seen kyler murray look his way it's it's just really funny to me as and i'm just gonna make a comment here is completely useless but i'm just gonna say that the thing that really makes it funny is that kyler murray as a short quarterback throws to greg dorch and rondell moore more than he has been a guy like marquise brown who himself is also pretty short but trey mcbride oh we can also talk about that too trey mcbride he had a quiet game this past weekend don't be discouraged by the quiet game let's just put it that way because he has been on fire you know, up until this past weekend where he had a quiet game. It definitely wasn't a matchup loser. He still put up a solid pr- production. He just didn't have that ceiling that we were p- pegging him for. I think he's going to have that again this week. It could end up being a high-scoring game between Arizona and Philly. I haven't gotten a look at what the uh, line is on that game yet as far as over-under, but I imagine it's going to be pretty high. So, Trey McBride, just keep plugging away with him at your tight end spot. He's going to be a very good tight end the rest of the way. Obviously, just this last week, but moving forward into next season too, this is someone that you want to pay attention to. So don't be discouraged by that uh, low-scoring matchup. He's going to be just fine. I think that's going to do it. It was a quite an episode. <laughs> I kind of hit on everything. I, I didn't really you know, have much direction here. Just kind of took you through everything that you need to know. Hopefully... This gave you a few nuggets on what you want to know, you know, get you started, you know, think about what's going to happen in championship weekend. Obviously, again, hope we hope we were able to help you get to your championship. Hopefully, we were a big reason that happened. We hope you had a good Christmas and a good holiday, whatever you separate to celebrate all that stuff. And we'll be back soon this week. We're still figuring out what we're going to be doing for these next couple of days, but we're, we'll be back with more episodes for you. This is just the review, like I said, of what happened this past weekend and getting you prepped with waivers. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, it's not too late to go get your waiver claims in, but go get those guys off the waiver wire because you're going to need them to help you win your fantasy championship. That's going to do it for today. Thank you guys for listening so much. Subscribe if you haven't already. If you didn't, it just takes 10 seconds and it means the world to us. Faraz and I, we both really appreciate that. It's going to help us take this podcast to the next level. So hopefully you don't have to hear me and only me, you know, just too often anymore. So hopefully you had a good holiday. Hopefully you're in a fantasy championship and we'll talk to you later. Hopefully we can get you guys that win. We will see you later and thanks for listening.